The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. The House Show. For over 52 weeks, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network and the House Show podcast proudly presents to you this look at the decade of decadence. A little indulgence for your day, as we bring Saturday night to whenever you damn well please. So let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The Master Library, Kevin, it's Tricky Hellions. The Educator of Access. And Sweet Maddie Treats. As they bring to you Saturday night's main event. The House Show Podcast Way. Welcome everyone to another edition of the House Show. It is me as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and I'm joined by my trio's tag team partners. To my right is the educator of excellence. Educator, how's it going today? Oh man, still powering through as we almost inch near the end of March already. Looking forward to today's show with Saturday night's main event number 12. One of the most memorable angles I remember growing up with the big incident with Hulk Hogan meeting the macho man Randy Savage for the run and save. Looking forward to that chatter as well as uh, the Hogan Sika match was actually quite impressed with that. So looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting show. But you know what? You know who's the most interesting man on the internet right now? The man to our left, Mr. Two Racks, Mr. Comic Books himself, the master library, Kevin Hellions. Kevin, how, how, are your, how, how are your comics doing? How's your racks? Good, good. I've, I've been rearranging and occasionally just sitting in the room and looking at them and saying what I want to do, playing around with it a little bit. If I still had hair, it's kind of like what I would do with that. Oh, okay. I figured you were doing something else if you were looking at it, playing around with it, sitting around in the room. But, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad you got those. I'm glad you got those. You know what? I'm, I'm a little pissed off, though, because you told the educator and myself. And for those that are not familiar, uh, you should be reading MassLibrary.com every day for yeah. Kevin's blogs. Yeah, Kevin absolutely. got Kevin got the comic book rack, thanks to the educator. You're right. I mentioned him in there. Still haven't gotten a thank you. And educator, I don't remember him mentioning that he bought both of them. Ugh. He only no. said he bought one of them. You swerved yeah. us. Yeah, I did. Swerve, man. I did. I purposely swerved just to get that Tommy Dreamer joke in the article. Well, I mean, I made that. Joke. I didn't want to tell that joke it. like a week before on the podcast. Yeah, but if I make the joke in a bigger format, it's mine. It's much like if someone in WWE steals some indie guy's move, it's now the guy in the WWE's move because he has a bigger platform. You're you, you're like the Puff Daddy. You remixed my joke? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. A little come with me, a little Led Zeppelin, a little Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Very, very, very random reference for a Puff Daddy song. I would not Crazy. do the come with what? me. I That's mean, a I, remix, yeah. I understand where you're coming from. But, of course, out of every... Is that the only Puff Daddy song you know? 
Uh, no, no, no. Okay, uh, what other Pop Daddy songs do you know? Can you name three others? <sighs> Missing You. Okay, there's one. Um. getting awkward <laughs> you're playing the jeopardy theme right i now. know seriously is that a, you know missing you and oh. the led zeppelin what's his buddy's name mace yeah, Mason is he still around i mean i don't think he's dead <laughs> just his career <laughs> yeah pretty much i think he's All like right. a reverend now um <laughs> Um, I'm like hypnotizes notorious B.I.G. Yeah, that's not a. <laughs> this is great. Um, Educator, do you know any uh, Puff Daddy songs? Fortunately, I'll be honest and say nope. But at least I you. But at least you admit it. Exactly. Oh, it's all about Benjamins. Ah, uh, there you go. All about the Benjamins. Is that it? That's all you know. Yeah. It's all yeah. Apparently. Uh, actually, I'm surprised you didn't know his debut album, uh, No Way Out. So, oh, yeah, a little WWE reference in there as well. A little NWO reference. Uh, but guys, I got, I got a very important question to ask you. OK. We've been doing this for for a year now. About a year. When is this? When is Some this dropping? People, this will drop it a year, I believe. This will be a year, baby. This is our last episode before the year. So can't believe people said it wouldn't last. Yeah. Um, so I think it's time, guys. Um, will you guys come over to my house? and spend the night so just let me frame this let me frame this wrestlemania is a two-night event okay i don't want you to stay for both nights just for one night i just want you for one night your wives can have you educator you got the wet bar there i understand you got to go there (laughs) kevin you got i don't know declan (laughs) you know your wife likes the declan right Mm -hmm. okay your wife likes Declan like uh, educator's wife likes the wet bar. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, they're probably about the same height. Yeah, they're about the same height. They, you know, both slobber. So, hmm. you know, um, no. Uh, yeah. So just forget about them. They can have you the other weekend. I just want you for one night. Now, here's what I'm picturing. You guys That's meet up. In a, you guys meet up in a central location. OK, then you drive to the ROC, the Rock, Rochester. Get there about 11 o'clock, say, 12 o'clock. You know what? We go to the toy store. Okay? We got it, man. You got to go to Bartertown Collectibles. We go to the toy store. Um, why don't we hit, like, a? Uh, we could hit a used game store for the educator. We could hit Bye, Rhino's Comics for uh, Kevin. And then here's what I'm thinking, guys. All you can eat sushi. All you can eat oh, sushi. Oh, 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 oh Wear your nicest sweatpants. Then we go to the apartment. I got the two TV set up so we can watch two things at once. I don't know. <laughs> WrestleMania would probably be on one, the other one. Whatever we want. Whatever you want to watch, right? But during WrestleMania, we need a snack. I'm thinking Outlaw Potatoes, which is, let me explain it to everyone out there that hasn't heard. It is a football-sized potato that's got cheese, bacon, sour cream chives it's a loaded baked potato but they then put a pound of pulled pork on top of it and then they deep fry that <laughs> no just kidding that's not it um i will reinforce the toilet here i will get my best apollo crew shirts ready for the mayhem that will happen 
but will you guys spend the night with me? I'm in, baby. Ooh, ooh, we got one. Let's see, I'm off weekends from work, so I don't even have to put time in for it. Spring break from school, and I've got an extra Monday on top of that. No, I'm in. Geez. I'm in. Now, Kevin, I'm mm -hmm. in, and the educator's in. So there's two of us. What would Tommy Dreamer say? <laughs> um, he'd probably also say to reinforce your toilet. Unlike Tommy, if something falls into the toilet, I'm not going to still eat it. That's true. That is true. So, Kevin, will you spend the night with me? Uh, where am I sleeping? Where do you want to sleep? Well, I sleep strip, so <laughs> that could be an issue. <laughs> well, you're going to be in the main common room then. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be in the spare bedroom with the door locked. <laughs> yeah. Have you put up curtains since I'm moving in? Uh, I plead. I plead, the, I plead the fifth. No. Should get a second Did toilet. I ever tell you the first night I stayed here I had to sleep There was no blinds put in or anything like that And I was just staying overnight So I was like I'll just sleep in the side room Which is like it's this room It's my podcast room aka the second bedroom But there was no blinds on it So I'm just like literally look like I'm squatting <laughs> No one was staying like I was the first person in this building because this, this is a brand new, like, they renovated everything, and I was the first person to move in. So it wasn't like anyone was around, but, you know, and I had to work, I think, at like 7 a.m., so I was up early anyways, but just kind of fun. So, Kevin, you get a sleep strip in my apartment? I'm going to try. All right, the one-year anniversary. The boys are getting back together. Let's go, baby. For such guys, taking a year to do an overnight. If we were a lesbian couple, we would have done this like 51 weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, all right. The guys are coming. Uh, maybe we podcast that night. But then we would have to share a microphone. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Unless we bring our own computers and our own setups and, and we, we all lose every Wi-Fi. We're all in the same room. You set up a LAN system in there. That'd be cool. For podcast. That'd be cool. Uh, I mean, honestly, the way it's going to hit, we might just, it might be best set up one of the laptops in the bathroom. <laughs> just be a rotating third chair. Oh, all you can eat sushi, guys. 25 bucks. All you can eat sushi. It's going to be insane. They're going to lose money when they see the three of us walk in. <laughs> They're going to be like, no, you go now. <laughs> you here for hour. <laughs> That was that was uh, a little racist, Kevin. But it's a it's a John Panette skit, late John Panette. He's a big just, dude. Just He's edit a... it all out, man. I will edit, 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 hard edit. And, all right, up next is Kevin's Mr. Fuji impression. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, you guys are coming over. I'm feeling good. Why don't we get right into it? We're talking Saturday night's main event, number twelve, which took place on September 23rd, 1987, but it started to air October 3rd. Uh, we're live from Hershey, Pennsylvania at the Hershey Park Arena. Uh, and of course, once again, we get started with just our bumps at the top. Uh, we have the Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart. We got Macho Man with Liz. King Kong Bundy with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And then we get Sika with Mr. Fuji, and he's eating a chicken, uh, which is he fun. Is uh, but going to town, ripping off those feathers, man. It was very startling to be It was a that. $25 all-you-can-eat chicken night there in Hershey. Um, and then Hogan. Uh, do you think that was a real chicken? He was ripping those feathers it, off, man. I don't know. 
like the way it pulled and everything it didn't seem like where would they find a prop chicken like that oh i got a chicken guy <laughs> you want a chicken i and, got a chicken guy and then later in the uh in the night when he had an inset interview and they showed clips of him still like chewing on the thing it was crazy yeah it's, i don't know i don't know, like there's no blood or anything but something rubbery it, it looked like a a chicken jerky almost with feathers the way it pulled um i didn't realize it was in hershey but now that you mentioned it i i don't know how i missed it because i believe it wasn't in your house that was there beforehand and just the way that the seats rise up and the angle of it and all i'm like oh how did i not recognize this building yeah super steep bowl yeah um and elizabeth in the promo doing a great job of looking very worried for randy savage um really like it, it, this whole thing made honky tonk man look like a huge threat in wwf yeah and it's funny because i always remember of course i don't remember early honky i remember late honky when really he was the miz of the late 80s early 90s yeah right. no respect kind of guy even rhythm and blues like honky seemed the more goofy one and valentine the worker for it right and, and later in his career as well but we saw him you know make a brief appearance in wcw there hogan era but man he's great heel here huge heel here uh, anything else to to really get out of this? I mean, Hogan does an interview, but like really, it's just a generic Hogan interview. It's it's not anything major. Um, and then, what did you think of the King Kong Bundy, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan portion? Nothing out of the ordinary for me. Just setting up for the Paul Orndorff match, teasing a big surprise later on in the show. And boy, oh boy, dude, we got a big surprise. Orndorff face again here, and uh, he was kind of like the big show of this era of WWF constantly changing alliances um so after those bumps we get the intro and we are actually greeted with vince and bobby the brain heenan um will we see jesse the body ventura back again is he officially done is he just filming a movie right now filming a movie filming yep a movie. he'll be back all right looking forward to it um vince with a big dig big dig at bobby heenan here uh mentioning that he manages no champions like very personal dig at him uh kind of uncharacteristic of vince at the time yeah, putting over how tonight's show is essentially like a night of champions. They'll have no fewer than three WWF championship matches. It's the only three titles they had at the time. Um, yeah, so all the titles well, will be defended in the show. Uh, you had the women's title, but, you know, I don't know if that was still actually a thing here in 87 with Moolah, but. No, and that's a weird thing. Like, the women's title is kind of dormant. They have a light heavyweight title that they just gave to Japan and said, figure it out. <laughs> right. You know, until until someone wants to put it on WCW television, we actually don't care or recognize it. Educator, you sound upset that they only have three titles. I know you're a man that that thinks that more titles are better in a company. Dear Lord, no, absolutely not. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I will I will admit though, uh, I do like the look of the NXT Women's Tag Titles. I think the belt looks nice, but there's no need for it. Absolutely. So, Apparently, the winners of the Dusty Cup were supposed to be given the tag titles, but they weren't ready yet, is the rumor I saw, which is yeah, why the, we the did the physical belts angle. weren't done being prepped or made. And yeah. so the, they just hot tagged a, a, a women's title match with the, you know, the main roster women's titles. Again, there's no need for it. I just one tag title, one singles title, and then a secondary singles for each show. One women's title back and forth, and the tag can just ro can just rotate around all three. There's just no need. I'm gonna predict we're not done yet. 
I say at some point there's a woman's intercontinental or U.S. title. There will be a secondary woman's title, which should go all brands if they're doing it. But it's not going to shock me. A women's North American or something, something like that, like something for all the brands. <laughs> um, and I would not be shocked if there's a cruiserweight tag title. You just bringing that up is just pissing the educator off right now. I'd rather, I'd rather talk about total bellows right now. To be honest, <laughs> what you heard it here? I'm cutting this out, playing it every week. <laughs> That'll be your opening music for the total bellows show. It's just I'm saying that. When we do the best of educator, it's going to be you saying that and then you doing your hawk impression. <laughs> well, when you got well, that booger and it's right up your nose, got your nose and you got a pick, you got a pick, you got a pick. Listen, don't get promoed out because I'm waiting to see if you got an imitation of a promo later tonight. Oh, quite possibly. All right. So. So anyways, we followed that up with Mean Gene Okerlund interviewing the Honky Talk Man with Jimmy Hart. And then we get Mean Gene interviewing the Macho Man with Liz, which leads us to match number one on the card, which, of course, is the Honky Talk Man with Jimmy Hart versus the Macho Man with Liz. I got a question for you guys, though. What is the difference between a guitar string and a G string? How you pluck it? How you pluck it. Uh, If you try to grab it with your teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I thought that was very interesting. That was brought up on commentary. Do you guys know what G string stands for? Good. No, it does not. G spot string. No, does not stand for that. I'll edit that out though. <laughs> I got nothing, man. No, uh, the G stands for genitals. So I, I did look that up. All right, genital string. I've looked. I've looked it up as well before myself. <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, anything from these interviews? Only, only on Sonny's OnlyFans page, but you know oh that's all. There's a lot of editing for this episode. Um, yeah, you just kind of stand underneath the escalator, look up. <laughs> um. So that for the kid is back here. on the escalator again. That kid is back on the escalator again. Mm-hmm. This is why we don't Reasons. don't record ads Saturday Sunday nights. <laughs> So uh, Jimmy Hart with a dig back at Vince McMahon's comment there saying that he's the only manager of a world champion. Uh, Jimmy mentioned honky tonk. And then um, and, and maybe we're building up to it or whatever. I think the Macho Man promo is one of the best promos I've ever heard in my life. I've been in the danger zone. Yeah. Really? In your life? Oh, yeah. so, so what are your... God, so good. South of Mars and north of hell. I was like, yeah. what a freaking line. Absolutely. No, it was a good promo. I didn't think it, would, it was one of the best ever, but... I, I'm I, I'm just I, like, I, how did I not know this promo word for word before? 80s Macho today? Man is just phenomenal. I just love it. All right. So match number one on the card, like I said earlier, is Honky Tonk Man versus Macho. What did you guys think of the match? Such a memorable angle where I remember watching the show growing up and the infamous angle, the post-match, the the save of the Intercontinental Championship with the outside interference, uh, the infamous, you know, stop as, as Elizabeth gets involved in the match, her getting shoved down, her getting shoved down, the strap on her dress breaks, just memorable angle, her going to the back, getting dragging Hogan out. Crowd going nuts, and Hogan just like looking around, like why is the crowd flipping out? 
what is he searching for? And then he locks eyes with what's going on in the ring and he just hulks up and powers through. And yeah, such a memorable, memorable angle. Loved it. Now, was Macho doing anything face beforehand? Battling more of your like heel jobbers beforehand or tweaking anything or giving Liz more respect or whatever. Because even the mat- the promo beforehand, he just seems to be treating her better. Like in a more faces face-ish way. We gotta remember that this is obviously airing in October, our last Saturday night's main event aired in May. So we yeah. had a whole summer and they've just slowly planted seeds of his face turn, and he's now I mean we we just talked about him, you know, interfering in the Intercontinental title match, dropping the elbow on Steamboat in the last show. That's like five, five months ago prior to this episode. So lots of things have changed. Macho is starting to see things in a new light. He's starting to – Elizabeth is opening his eyes, you know. So, And and you still have, for a previous heel persona of him, a reason for him to go after Honky. I want this title back. I don't care who right. has and no, I'll still make sense. As this match is going, I'm watching it and just taking my notes on and all of a sudden I click, I go, oh my God, is this the angle? I didn't even realize. I was like, is this the angle? Oh, you got to be kidding me. And I was getting so excited for the buildup for it. I was like, I don't know the last time, if ever, I saw this from beginning to end. Yeah. So, uh, Educator, why don't you go ahead and break down our first title match of the night? All right, we see the match start with a lockup between Macho Man and Honky Tonk Man as they're kind of jockeying around the ropes, trying to get position. Eventually, we see Honky Tonk Man with a cheap right hand uh, to stagger Macho Man Randy Savage. Honky Tonk Man kicks Savage uh, in the abdomen and does an elbow to the back of his head. Honky Tonk Man with an Irish whip. He telegraphs a back body drop, and Savage responds with a punt square into the chest. Macho Man with a handful of hair, and he does his infamous running charge over the top rope where he ends up clotheslining uh, Honky Tonk Man by throat first over the top rope as he leaps over the top rope to the floor. Macho Man gets back in the ring, starts choking a downed uh, Honky Tonk Man, rams Honky, Tonk's man, uh, Honky Tonk Man's head in the corner, does a snap there and a leaping knee drop. Macho Man ends up picking up Honky Tonk Man, does a corner Irish whip and a rebounding Honky Tonk Man. Uh, gets smacked in the head with a, a back elbow from Macho Man Randy Savage. We start to see Jimmy Hart begin to stalk Elizabeth out on the outside of the ring, giving chase to her uh, while he's jaw-jacking on the megaphone. Macho Man ends up going out to give chase to stop Jimmy Hart from going after her, but Honky Tonk Man is able to roll out onto the floor and attacks Macho Man from behind. Honky Tonk Man touches, uh, tosses Macho Man back into the ring, We see a bunch of right hands to Randy Savage. Honky Tonk Man tries to do an Irish whip and a clothesline, but Macho Man ends up ducking the clothesline, bouncing off the ropes uh, the other side, and then does an elbow to Honky Tonk in the head. We see Macho Man in a boxing stance, hit a few left jabs. He does a snap nair and attempts to do another jumping knee drop, but Honky Tonk Man is able to roll out of the way. Honky Tonk Man himself does a snap nair, and he, then he ends up doing a fist drop off of the second rope onto Macho Man's forehead. Honky Tonk Man ends up going out into the floor, and he starts to stalk Elizabeth, but Macho Man is eventually able to come out and make the save and continue the beat down on Honky Tonk Man. He quickly climbs back into the ring, climbs to the top rope, jumps off the top rope to the floor, delivering 
his known double axe handle off the top to the floor to Honky Tonk Man. Uh, Macho Man ends up ramming Honky Tonk Man into two top turnbuckles and then does a roll-up schoolboy pinfall attempt on the Honky Tonk Man and only gets a two-count from the referee as Jimmy Hart got involved, reached into the ring, and ended up pulling Honky Tonk's foot onto the rope. Macho Man then ends up doing a side suplex onto uh, the Honky Tonk Man and does another pinfall attempt, but Jimmy Hart then kind of rakes Macho Man's eyes and grabs him by the hair to pull him off of Honky Tonk Man somehow out of eyesight of referee Dave Hebner. Uh, We end up seeing a third interference on behalf of Jimmy Hart for the Honky Tonk Man as uh, Jimmy Hart pulls Macho Man's or Honky Tonk Man's foot under the rope and eventually Savage is just over it. He ends up dragging Jimmy Hart into the ring and ends up doing a big old wind-up haymaker right hand and ends up knocking Jimmy Hart through the ropes onto the floor. Jimmy Hart is selling it as if he's just flat out knocked out. Eventually, Honky Tonk Man does a recovery and goes out into the floor to try to revive uh, my, uh, his his manager. Unfortunately, he's not successful in doing so. And we eventually see the Hart Foundation also come down to ringside to help their manager. With Honky Tonk Man and the Hart Foundation out on the floor trying to tend to their knocked out manager, Jimmy Hart. We eventually see Jim the Anvil Nightheart pick up Honky Tonk Man, hoist him over his shoulder, and the Honky Tonk Man and the Hart Foundation end up carrying Jimmy Hart back to the locker room as we cut to commercial break. When we come back from commercial break, the match restarts. Restarts with the Hart Foundation returning back to ringside with the Honky Tonk Man. Macho Man ends up dragging Honky Tonk Man into the ring. He rams him into the turnbuckle. Does a snap nair and an elbow drop to the Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man gets back up. Macho Man and Honky Tonk trade blows back and forth. Macho Man tries to do a corner Irish whip, but Honky Tonk Man ends up moving out of the way as Macho Man charges in to deliver a running elbow. He ends up hitting the top turnbuckle with his elbow. Honky Tonk Man ends up mounting the Macho Man in the corner on the second rope, delivers about three or four punches to Macho Man's forehead. Honky Tonk Man hits a snap nair. He ends up climbing up to the second rope again to do that second rope fist drop that he was successful with earlier in the match. As he jumps off, Macho Man rolls out of the way, and Honky Tonk Man drives his fist into the canvas. We see Macho Man with elbows to Honky Tonk Man. We end up uh, in a few fists to the head, an Irish whip, and he ends up delivering a back body drop to the Honky Tonk Man. Macho Man with a bunch of elbows to the back of Honky Tonk Man's head. We see a choke and a blatant eye rake in the corner as Savage is now kind of like going crazy, trying to get the most offense in as possible due to the fact that he is now outnumbered with the Hart Foundation at ringside. We see Macho Man with an Irish whip and a back elbow to drop Honky Tonk Man to the canvas. He gets a two count from the referee. Macho Man attempts a standing front suplex and is successful, goes for another pinfall account, and still only gets a two count from referee Dave Hebner. Honky Tonk Man able to recover and ends up tossing the Macho Man over the top rope onto the floor to the side of the ring where the Hart Foundation have been standing, waiting uh, to get their involvement within the match itself. They start double-teaming Macho Man, kicking, stomping. At one point, they drop him throat first over the guardrail. Eventually, the Hearts toss Randy Savage back into the ring. Honky Tonk Man goes for a pinfall, but only gets a two count from the referee. 
Honky Tonk Man picks up Randy Savage, cinches him up in the middle of the ring for the shake, rattle, and roll maneuver. But Randy Savage is able to counter with a back body drop to lift Honky Tonk over and onto the canvas. Savage ends up doing a scoop slam. He climbs to the top rope, hits his patented big macho man elbow off the top rope, square to Honky Tonk Man in the middle of the ring. Goes for the pinfall, and we see Bret Hart leaping in from ringside to drop a big elbow over Macho Man's head. Ends up causing the DQ finish. So winner of the match by disqualification, the Honky Tonk Man. And here we get the infamous angle where the Hart Foundation and Honky Tonk Man triple team Randy Macho Man Savage at one point. Honky Tonk Man goes out to the floor, picks up his guitar, and as the Heart Foundation are holding Savage at bay with both arms, Honky Tonk is measuring up Macho Man, winding up as if he's going to swing the guitar, but Miss Elizabeth gets in the ring and stands in the middle as a, as a distraction to try to thwart off Honky Tonk Man's attempts. Honky Tonk Man, in frustration, pushes Elizabeth down to the canvas, and Elizabeth rolls out of the ring and ends up going back to the locker room we see a cut back to the ring where Honky Tonk Man winds up and is successful in dropping that guitar from a 12 to 6 position down square over Macho Man's head. It's phenomenal on the replays. We see the smiling and the smirk on the face from both Heart Foundation members as Honky Tonk Man is successful in knocking down Macho Man with that guitar. We eventually hear the crowd erupt and cameras go to the aisleway where we see Miss Elizabeth dragging uh, Hulk Hogan to the ring, pulling on his wrist as he's trying to as she's trying to get him to the ring. He's looking around, not understanding what in the world's going on. He makes eye contact with what's going on in the ring and immediately his eyes light up and he hulks up and charges into the ring. We see Hulk Hogan get triple teamed by the Hart Foundation and the and the honky tonk man but eventually he overcomes macho man makes a recovery and they clean house and send the heart foundation and honky tonk man packet at one point hulk hogan and macho man kind of bump back to back they turn around as if they're going to square off at each other but at cooler heads prevail as macho man extends his a, a handshake as a thank you and Hulk Hogan does the handshake, and we see the infamous beginning of the planting of the seeds of the Mega Powers. I wonder, like we were, we were talking right before starting this, that this is an unusually long match for Saturday Night's main event. This goes on for quite a while. I wonder if they just wanted to really push the Macho Man face turn and thought just Hogan coming out wasn't, good enough because throughout the match you hit you have the startup and a much more aggressive more into it uh trying harder version of honky tonk man to hang with macho i would say macho is a better wrestler than honky tonk man i don't think there's many that would disagree with it and it seemed like honky tonk man's upping his game to hang in the ring with randy savage but then throughout it you have Jimmy Hart getting involved. You have the Hart Foundation coming out. You have all these heel moves, these this cheating and all. And a lot of it involving with Jimmy Hart and Honky Tonk Man harassing, bothering, going after Miss Elizabeth. And Randy Savage constantly having to lose focus on the match, lose focus on just beating Honky Tonk Man to save and protect Elizabeth. So the whole match is just 
making him look better and better and better. And the world is against him. And these odds are against him. And he's just a good man and a good wrestler. And he's just trying to win a title. But he also has to protect the woman he loves. He could have done anything as a heel. And as soon as you start a storyline like that, fans are going to love him. Like, that's something to really grab onto and gravitate to here. I, as it's happening and building up and all, and I wasn't entirely sure if this was the match. As soon as the Heart Foundation came out, I go, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the turn. I didn't know if it was this show. You know, the next episode of Saturday Night's Man event, I wasn't sure because, like we said earlier, it's been between May and October for this feud here. So as it's going and building up and all, um, Elizabeth absolutely sells this whole thing at the end of the match. Her timing is off. You can tell they edited it. You can tell Honky's kind of stalling a little bit to give her time to get into the ring. But it's an incredibly good edit that you don't realize she's getting into the ring. Like us knowing this angle, I could see when she's starting to get in. I could see, you know, her, her kind of move that and she's not the focus of what's going on in camera, but you can still see her go. But her diving in and putting herself right in front of the guitar is instant iconic moment. Not just wrestling, but I'd say because of what wrestling was at this point and how big it was, an iconic TV moment as well. Like, what an amazing angle. What an amazing story to put on network TV here. Honky throwing her alone is horrible. She is, at this point, the only woman on camera in WWF. You've put her up as a princess, really, for the company here. And this guy just threw her to the ground. You could hear the gasp from the crowd. And honestly, I think her the strap on her dress breaking, total accident, not, not planned, I'm sure, but it adds to it. It makes it look even worse. It makes it, the push look worse. It makes the damage to herself look worse. It makes everything look like they're done. They're defeated. Her running away completely makes sense. What's she going to do? She doesn't want to get hurt anymore. She has to abandon. You know, she can't see her man get hit. It would totally make sense for her to leave and never come back. But then her bringing out Hogan, you can see the fans reacting before it's shown on camera. And that, that was a long runway aisle for the setup for this. So he's as he's coming around and more fans realize what's going on, it's, oh, here is Superman. Here's Captain America. Here's the savior of the day coming down to make this right after we just saw this man who was trying to protect his woman get beat down and then the woman herself getting beat down. God, it's the storytelling is incredible. I think like WWF stories sometimes are awful, but whoever scripted this one did an incredible job for it. Them fighting off Honky Tonk Man and the Hearts, backing up into each other, fists up, like, hey, I came to protect Hogan, absolutely. Like, I came to protect you because your woman asked me to, but that does not mean we're friends. Macho wondering why Hogan's out there, too. We were never on the same side beforehand. All right, why are you coming out here? I kind of just took a hit to the head from a guitar. I might not know what's going on here. And that slow weird angle handshake that thankfully we see many times not only tonight but throughout this mega power storyline instant number two baby face in the company you can see where the storyline's going for the next year the next two years really here brilliant one of the best scripted moments in wrestling 
this whole thing was incredible. I was so happy to watch it. Like, honestly, the show could have ended here and I would have been like top episode. <laughs> Wonderful. Kevin, a uh, question for you, because you bring up the fact that her her strap breaks and it wasn't planned, obviously. It, what do you think is one of the best or, or maybe this isn't a question for off the top of your head, but w- one of the best that wasn't planned, but it had so much moments in wrestling um i think the one that that people always bring up is when andre tears the necklace off hogan and it causes him to bleed a little yeah and and piper's like you're bleeding is always one that that sticks out in my head but do you think there's any other accidental moments that happen and it's like oh it adds so much more because of that um I know it's kind of a a hard question off the top of your head, too. No, but I mean, I'll say like accidental blood does help things, unfortunately. Um, Goldberg smashing out the windows when he slices his arm open looks more impressive. You know, to to really sell his anger and everything. It was kind of stupid and he had to have surgery done and everything. But, you know, you kind of get it. Um, I think a lot of times a crowd reaction will make something a little more memorable for it too. Uh, when fans couldn't stop doing the what chance and it was incredibly annoying and couldn't stand it. But Hogan countering with a Chagunic do sold it and ended it. Like you, every, every person in the crowd's just laughing like, all right, we're done. You got us. You absolutely defeated us here. Oh, unplanned. I mean, one person planned it. But Mick Foley getting the rock with a, hey, rock, how does this feel tonight? And then countering with a, it doesn't matter how you feel and taking his victory lap around the ring for it because he finally got the rock and rock just shaking his head like, you got me. I can, uh, I got nothing. You absolutely got me. I remember Royal Rumble 99 and how big the fans were into the intros. And the one set of intros that really stood out for me. Uh, every time the member of the oddities made their entrance and the fans were going back and forth in unison with the ICP music. I just I remember that just being so unexpected and certainly for the oddities. I mean, that that's huge. I mean, that was probably the biggest that they were ever over. Uh, one thing, too, about this match I just thought was odd um, and obviously it leads to it is Jimmy Hart's interference in it doesn't get the DQ. I don't understand how the referee didn't see any of the blatant. I mean, at one point, he's three quarters of the way in the ring. Both of his hands are dragging on Macho Man's head to get him to roll off of Honky Tonk's body. How does the ref not see that if he's supposedly watching Honky's shoulders with Savage on top of the shoulders? doesn't make sense. And it's not like Elizabeth did something that you could say, okay, you did one thing, you did one thing that's even knock it off. Like that I could give you. Yeah, that was the one thing that that did stick out to me in in the match. So, and then of course the birth of the mega powers, <laughs> the origins of the mega powers, I guess you will. Right, right, um, right. So we follow that up with Mean Gene Okerlund interviewing Sika with Mister Fuji, and then we get Mean Gene interviewing Hogan. Um, Sika once again is he eating the chicken head of the table? He's just. <laughs> I'm wondering why he has that giant blade and doesn't use it to just cut up the chicken. That's true. I mean, that thing is just a cross between a machete and a field hockey club. And man, it's just nuts. <laughs> that blade. 
It's just crazy. That would make field hockey a lot more enjoyable if one person it had a machete. Ah, I don't know if I need more to make field hockey enjoyable for me. <laughs> All right. And that leads us to match number two on the card, which is our second title match, which is Sika with Mr. Fuji and Kim Chi taking on Hawk Hogan. Uh, what did you guys think of this match? Holy cow, Sika making the most of his minutes on primetime television, or well, late night television, Saturday night's main event. Fen- I, Sika looks phenomenal in this match. He's bumping around for Hogan like crazy, doing spots and maneuvers. The, the falling headbutts on Hogan, just fantastic. Absolutely great stuff here. Uh, just a fantastic showing for Sika. Another monster for Hogan to defeat in the end of the match. But man, oh man, makes me want to go back and watch uh, some late 80s, or I'm sorry, late 70s, early 80s Wild Samoan matches now. See, I thought it was interesting. Like, Hogan does a lot of moves in here that is not his usual repertoire of moves, and I didn't know if it was him and Sika have a different chemistry, different balance, whatever, like just a different style of opponent here. Um, Also, when we were discussing what body, what wrestler has the same body type as me, really missed out on picking Sika. When did we discuss what? No, you're naked Midian. You will forever be naked Midian because you both naked Midian without the tattoos. No, you both, you both, you both, you both have Confederate flag tattoos. I mean, oh god, you and Dave Hallions. When when we do this, when we do this trip, I'll um. Make sure to bring my fanny pack. Uh, my favorite thing about this match is I don't think I've ever seen Hogan do a splash before. Thank you. you. Hogan doing the ultimate warrior, hit the ropes, and do the big splash. Come it's on now. Fantastic. It's was, always been in his repertoire. I was like, oh, here we go. Here comes the leg. Nope, not the leg drop. No. Nope. And the leg drop that he did, it was like bash at the beach. He barely hit the ropes. Such a weird. A twisting it one. was so weird. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so anyways, why don't we go ahead and... Educator, are you ready to break down the second world title match of the... No, not the second. The second title match of the evening. Second title match of the evening. Absolutely. We start the match with Sika and Hogan, uh, Hogan locking up. Sika with a few right hands and ends up knocking Hogan down to the canvas. He does a bunch of stomps to a downed Hogan. At one point, Sika serves as a distraction to the referee. So Mr. Fuji could use his cane and uh, choke Hulk Hogan from the floor uh, by draping the cane over the throat and using both hands over the cane to uh, bring Hogan down even further. Sika continues with a bunch of right hands and stops. At one point, we see Mr. Fuji again jab through the ropes to Hogan in the head with his uh, cane. Sika ends up hitting the rope to do a running, diving headbutt, but Hogan is able to roll out of the way as Sika crashes and burns to the canvas. Hogan gets up, and we see him hit three right hands and then does a short-arm clothesline that ends up knocking Sika through the ropes. He takes a pretty good bump through the ropes onto the floor. Sika eventually recovers and gets back into the ring in order to charge at Hulk Hogan. Hogan drops down so that Sika will end up crossing over and hitting the ropes on the other side. When Sika rebounds from hitting the ropes on the other side, Hogan gets up just in time in order to hit the big boot to drop Sika to the canvas. I honestly thought Hogan was just going to hit the ropes and drop the leg here and the match would have been over. But no, there was a lot more and a lot more offense from Sika eventually. Hogan ends up dropping two elbow drops. He ends up picking up Sika and ends up laying two solid right hands. 
and then does a wind up haymaker that ends up knocking Sika through the ropes to the floor. Kim Chi ends up getting on the apron to act as a distraction for Hogan, only for Sika to recover and attack Hogan from behind. That ends up sending Hogan out to the floor. Sika follows out to the floor, continues to hammer and smash on Hogan. At one point, Sika has a side headlock, and he's setting up as if he's going to like bulldog ram Hogan's head into the ring post. But Hogan ends up putting on the brakes and ends up sending Sika's shoulder first into the uh, corner uh, ring post. Fuji tries to attack Hogan from behind with the cane, but Hogan was able to catch the cane as Fuji is swinging at him. He rips the cane from Fuji's grip. He starts winding up as if he's going to hit Fuji back. But now all of a sudden, the second referee, Dave Hebner, is down at ringside and he ends up stopping Hogan from doing so. Hogan is visibly upset. He gets into the ring and he starts arguing with the referee in charge with the match. And we end up going to a commercial break with two referees in the ring trying to get Hogan to let go of the cane as uh, we cut to a commercial. We come back from a commercial. Eventually, uh, Dave Hebner ends up getting the cane away from Hulk Hogan and the match restarts. Sika tries to charge Hogan from the opposite corner as if he's going to do an avalanche onto Hogan, but Hogan sidesteps and Sika crashes hard into the corner and uh, hits back flat onto the canvas. Hogan hits the ropes and attempts to do an ultimate warrior like running splash, but Sika ends up lifting his knees up and Hogan comes crashing down with his abs over Sika's knees. Sika gets up and hits a falling headbutt does a blatant choke on a downed Hogan. At one point, Fuji again reaches in with the hook of the cane and ends up uh, continuing to choke Hogan with the hooked end of the cane. Eventually, Sika ends up doing an awkward-looking nerve hold to Hogan's left armpit and pectoral muscle to wear down Hogan. The referee ends up doing the three-arm raise and drop for a submission spot. Hulk Hogan eventually breaks free from the hold as his arm is about to drop for the third time, uh, Hogan gets up, hits the ropes, and hits a glancing shoulder block that ends up knocking both men somewhat down on the canvas. But Sika is able to recover first, and he ends up hitting the ropes and hitting three falling swan dive-like headbutts uh, and eventually goes for a pinfall attempt, gets a two-count from the referee. After the third one, Hogan ends up kicking out and ends up starting to hulk up as Sika begins to lay in right hands. Eventually, Hogan now completely on his feet with three right hands, a big scoop body slam. He hits the ropes, drops the infamous big leg drop, and gets a 1-2-3 pinfall victory over Sika. Post-match, we see Mr. Fuji up on the uh, canvas on the outside of the ring up on the ring apron Hogan with a big right hand to knock Fuji down off on the canvas and eventually to the floor Kim Chi gets in the ring to try to attack Hogan but Hogan thwarts him off with a few right hands and then a big atomic drop that sends Kim Chi through the ropes and onto the floor at this time when this was airing at live it's probably about 12 15 a.m. It's past midnight, man. Hogan must pose. And here we get Hogan in his theme music posing to celebrate his victory. Man, that's a good point. Hogan was definitely posing after midnight here because that savage angle went long. Um, and you, Gosh, it almost surprises me. Like, could you have put the Hogan-Sika match first? 
But if people are only only tuning in for Hogan or a lot of people and that Savage Angle so big, you have to put that first and then Hogan later on. Well, good show from managers tonight. Jimmy Hart previous match. Fuji here really turning the tide of the match for his guy interfering with the cane and other things. Even Kim Chi just playing the distraction here helps out immensely to the benefit of Sika. I wonder if with Hogan going for that splash and Sika getting his knees up, if you could turn that into Hogan, like, well, why do you always do the leg drop? Well, because it works. I try different moves like this splash and knees come up and then I lose control of the match there and could have almost lost the title. That's why I stick with these certain moves here. They're my go-to moves because people aren't countering them in the same way. Oh, it could work. Um, Bobby Heenan with just the a-hole line here of uh, after Sika got his knees up for Hogan's failed big splash, Heenan says, what's Hogan going to do now? Run out of the ring and get Elizabeth for help? <laughs> just such a jerk line. It's fantastic. Um, I'm just wondering how many matches have been made from the, uh, or how many matches have been won, rather, from the boob squeeze. Sika's uh, devastating pectoral grip squeeze there. That apparently so painful, Hogan's like passing out on the ground and has to do the arm drop thing there and, and just at the nick of time get his hand up before it drops for a third time. Because I'm watching it, I'm like, all right, he's squeezing the trap. We've seen that before. And I'm like, he's not even on his shoulders. He's nowhere near it. I'm like, he's just squeezing his chest. That's all this is. I'm not saying that when it hurts, some big dude is just squeezing my chest. But other things have probably happened if we've gotten to that point here. It's just such an odd move. All right, so moving on, we got Mean Gene interviewing Paul Orndorff with his new manager, Oliver Humperdinck. The hump. And then we got Mean Gene interviewing King Kong Bundy. And that leads us to match number three on the card, which is Paul Orndorff with Oliver Humperdinck versus King Kong Bundy with... Bobby the Brain Heenan staying in the booth for this match. Why, why do you think Bobby the Brain was staying in the booth for this one? Trust in his charge. Honestly, they probably didn't have anyone to back up and didn't want Vince having to call it himself. Yeah, that's probably what, I, what I'm saying. Otherwise, they would have had him run out with Andre. Absolutely. Yeah, I probably, Jesse wasn't there. Fil- I, again, filming the movie and they didn't have a second man to be, you know, the known heel color commentator to counter Vince. So, you know, their way of, of finagling things around is a big surprise. Yes, Heenan does leave the booth temporarily, uh, but comes back uh, immediately after a commercial break that we get. I think every match, the commercial break ends up splitting it up here uh, with the exception of the tag title match itself. So do you think they got um, obviously now you're getting like minute by minutes, you're getting every, you know, 15 minute um you know, ratings, were they getting that back then, do you think? Or do you, do you think it was just a generic, I mean, was the technology there where they could tell you the minute-by-minute minute ratings? I I don't think they were doing minute-by-minute, minute, probably quarter hour or half hour maybe, but I don't. I doubt minute-by-minute. Minute. Yeah, I mean, the Nielsen box setup there, I, I think they had, you had to attach it to like a phone line or something or... I know my grandparents were uh, a test family for it, and they just wrote everything they watched down for a month and then had to send it back in to see if they made the cut. Yeah, same thing with uh, my – I had family members as well. They had to basically do a log and then submit it in 
and then find out whether or not they'd qualify to actually be a live Nielsen family. I mean, now with with streaming, it's so much easier than having to do that. I mean, they just oh, you're you're DVRing this, you're streaming this. I mean, everything's just loaded oh, yeah. to the cloud. I mean, the I I I'm always curious as to like when we were doing like the WWE Network stuff here, right? And we're watching Saturday Night's main event. Like out of the 1.5 million people that subscribe to that. How many people are you think are watching Saturday Night's Main Event 12, you know, last week? You know, and, and I wonder if that's with obviously with the move. The only reason I bring that up is with the move to Peacock. Like, I wonder if they'll pick stuff based on how popular it's been. Like, oh, this has been really popular. Obviously, the new pay-per-views, all the WrestleManias, maybe all the Royal Rumbles will, will be brought over first. But like, like who's watching right along? It, it makes you think whether or not they're going to do more. Uh, calculated advertising to try to draw people to find some of the stuff that they're getting this content that maybe has not been super popular and just try to do some kind of spin on it in order to get more people interested to now watch it on the Peacock version of the app. I mean, even if you say, oh, only 1% of our subscribers are watching Saturday night's main event episode this week, that's still 15,000 people watching it. Like that's still going to be worth it to keep that content up there yeah I, i'm just curious like uh, i wonder if it's even 15th i don't I, I wonder if it's even that yeah i can't even imagine it's even that high i mean i was watching i watched a little tuesday night titans the other night and i'm thinking to myself i might be like one of a hundred people yeah right on the network this week like i just just random episodes and stuff like that i mean i will I will miss that. So, um, so anyways, uh, educator, why don't you, uh, do you guys want to talk about it? Or you just want to go ahead and break this one down first. Let's break her down. So we see the start of the match with Paul Orndorff tapping on Bundy's shoulder to get him to turn around as his back was facing towards Umperdink. Orndorff lands five right hands to Bundy's head and ends up ramming Bundy into the turnbuckle. We see Orndorff with an Irish whip and a running dropkick attempt, but Bundy ends up holding onto the ropes, causing Mr. Wonderful to fall flat on the canvas. Bundy with a bunch of mammoth clubs, crushing Orndorff, bringing him down to the canvas. Bundy picks up Orndorff and does an Irish whip and a back body drop telegraph. Orndorff does a sunset flip attempt and is successful getting the big man over. And we see a two count from the referee. Bundy recovers and ends up doing an eye rake to Paul Orndorff to slow him down. He does an Irish whip and hits a running back elbow to knock Orndorff down to the canvas. Bundy with a big scoop slam to Paul Orndorff. Bundy hits the ropes to try to hit a leaping elbow drop, but Paul Orndorff rolls out of the way to avoid contact. Orndorff hits an elbow to a standing King Kong Bundy from the second rope to stagger Bundy. Orndorff then hits a running fist drop onto uh, Bundy, who had since then fallen to the canvas, goes for a pinfall attempt, and gets a two count. We see Bobby Heenan frustrated at the action. He ends up leaving the broadcast booth uh, and heads somewhere. And eventually, in the melee, Paul Orndorff hits another Irish whip to, uh, to King Kong Bundy, hits a running dropkick that is successful, and he goes for a pinfall attempt and gets a two-count from the referee. We start to see Andre the Giant come down from ringside as Bobby Heenan returns to the broadcast booth. 
Paul Orndorff hits another drop kick to King Kong Bundy, sending Bundy through the ropes to the floor where Andre the Giant is standing. And we end up cutting to a commercial break where Andre the Giant is helping King Kong Bundy kind of recoup and, and refocus his efforts as Paul Orndorff is now frustrated in the ring that Andre the Giant is at ringside. Back from commercial, King Kong Bundy and Orndorff lock up again. Bundy is able to overpower and push Orndorff into the corner. Bundy tries to do an overhand club right hand, but Orndorff dodges out of the way and ends up laying in three to four right hands of his own. King Kong Bundy is able to recover by hitting an elbow to the back of the head of Orndorff and ends up ramming Orndorff into the corner. Bundy does a snap nair and a big knee drop onto Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Pinfall attempt only gets a two count. King Kong Bundy with an Irish whip, Orndorff with a bunch of stomps and boots to a telegraph back body drop, and Orndorff on his own does a few elbows to King Kong Bundy, but ends up missing, dropping the last one, but hits more or less a glancing blow onto King Kong Bundy as he attempts to roll out of the way. So both men are now flat on the canvas. Eventually, King Kong Bundy recovers first, does a snap nair, and then holds on to a reverse chin lock. At one point, it's kind of like a sleeper hold-like chin lock as Orndorff has his arm raised by the referee three times for the big submission spot, but Orndorff is able to power back after the third drop attempt. Bundy tries to do a corner Irish whip and follow up with a big avalanche, but Paul Orndorff ends up moving out of the way. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff lands a few right hands of his own. He tries to do his own corner Irish whip to King Kong Bundy, but King Kong Bundy reverses it. As Orndorff is staggered in the corner, Andre the Giant reaches into the ring, grabs Paul Orndorff by the tights to pull him back into the corner, and this gives the opportunity for King Kong Bundy to charge with a full-blown avalanche into the corner. Mr. Wonderful crashes to the canvas. King Kong Bundy with the pinfall attempt. One, two, three. And successful win for King Kong Bundy with the assist from Andre the Giant. So Andre coming out here, like Andre standing next to Bundy. Bundy already huge. It really does a good job of showing how big Andre is. Even... Honestly, even more so than Vince doing uh, different camera angles or, you know, having Andre stand on a crate or something like that to look even bigger. Like, you know, Bundy's huge. So Andre's towering over him just makes him look even more massive. Andre not even having to put any effort into it, reaching into the ring and grabbing Orndorff's trunks and pulling him back, told him back into the turnbuckle there for um, Bundy to squash. Like, great. Andre looks like a force here. He looks menacing and knowing what's coming up here, a few short episodes, I believe, puts him into the right spot that he should be in. Like, makes him look like a monster. Uh, interesting, I thought there, um, Paul Orndorff in his interview when talking about why he left Heenan and what he has against Heenan, he says he's tired of lying. The whole point here is Paul Orndorff is tired of lying which is interesting because during this match, the referee absolutely lies when Orndorff's hand drops three times and then they just go for a fourth and pretend it didn't fall three times here. But I went back and rewound it. I was like, I must have just like saw that wrong you know, or miscounted or there was something different. Nope, he absolutely has his hand dropped three times and the referee's like, ah, crap, and just goes for the fourth. And then it shoots back up. Then he remembers the spot for the match. But it, it was kind of interesting because now we hear all the time that 
you know different decisions that vince makes by the week like apparently we can't slap our legs for kicks anymore but one of the things he decreed is if a referee does a 10 count or you know makes a pinfall or whatever and the wrestler misses the spot the referee should just go ahead with the decision so it doesn't look dumb on camera like if that spot happened now bundy's won the match here and they would have just rolled with it and order would have been sol so we followed that up with Mean Gene Okerlund interviewing the Hart Foundation. Um, guys, I got a question for you. Love this oh, interview. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Are you wondering what date this this uh, happened on? Yeah, because <laughs> Mean Gene is very upset about things. Very and fired up. Was this sneak attack as big as the Pearl Harbor tragedy? I don't know, man. Oh. Anvil is phenomenal in this interview. When when did it take place again? You have the the. Taping. It was not September 11th. If that's what you're no, saying. nope. Nor was it December 7th. Um, October 3rd. You said it took place in September. I'm just. Uh, I'll have to look at the schedule if we have that day off for a national holiday at all. Well, it's Canadian holiday. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not American, so it's like Boxing Day, Wrestling Day. So anyways, moving on. Do you know what time it is, Educator? Oh, is it time for the main event? The money shot main event with Mr. Kevin Hellions. Who's the man with the comic racks? Who's the man that spends them fat stacks? Who's the man that's gonna make it last? He's going to drop his money shot on this podcast. It's Kevin Hellions with the main event money shot. It's Hellions with the main event money shot. So Kevin Hellions, you are... Um, you get the third title match on here. Mm-hmm. It is for the tag team titles. It was between the Young Stallions of Paul Roma and Jim Powers taking on the Hart Foundation. So, Kevin Hellions, take it away. But wait, before he takes it away, those Young oh. Stallions, they are pretty boys. So young, so sweet, so innocent. And according to Bret Hart, it's the kind of guys they like to slap and punch around. You know what, guys? When we're hanging out in Rochester, let's go slap around some stallions. Is that the name of the nightclub you're taking us to? Ah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. The Young Stallion Nightclub. I suppose it's better than Young Geldings. As long as it's not the same place that Shawn Michaels went to. <laughs> no, that's in Syracuse. Oh, okay. That's right. It's also next door to where we saw wrestling many times. Okay. So, Kevin Ellings main event for those of you that joined us for previous seasons this was usually a spontaneous pick but for season three it's always going to be the main event and these are my notes as i watch the show unedited heart foundation versus young stallions and will paul roma start out with the match oh powers tags in uh, powers is hit up brett is beat up sorry brett comes in Jim Powers and Brett feeling each other out off of the ropes, cross body in a pin attempt, shoulder block and Brett counters with a knee into uh, Jim Powers' gut 
Brett takes control, Anvil comes in, Anvil starts beating down Jim Powers, uh, Brett back in, kicks Jim Powers after he comes off the ropes, Anvil distracts Brett, or sorry, distracts the referee, and uh, Brett teases coming into the ring to do some sort of action behind the ref's back, but doesn't actually come into the ring at all. Got an official tag, Brett continues the Jim Powers beatdown. Powers leapfrogs, drops down to his knees like the leapfrog took everything out of him. Goes for the tag, which it seems very sudden. Like, I don't think he was supposed to go for the tag then. Even Brett looks surprised here. All four men start to fight. Anvil comes in to break up the pin attempt. Jim Powers argues with the ref. Hit a heart attack, and Brett pins Paul Roma. And that is your main event match. I just want to say... <laughs> That has been your main event money shot with Kevin Elliott. That Jim Powers leapfrog is my favorite thing on this whole episode. It's like he blew out his back just jumping over Bret Hart. And it's like, what in the world? And, like, he wrestles the entire match with a half wedgie, too. His left ass cheek is just sticking out the whole time. It's just like, dude, fix it. Fix it. Adjust. All right? We get it. You're jacked. You're in shape. You're like a, a, a Scott Steiner light in 87 here. Um, I mean, both Roma and Powers, they looked great in the ring in terms of like physique wise, smooth movement, but their timing just seemed off mm-hmm. the the drop down um, that Powers did for Bret Hart to leap over him. And then he ended up getting caught for a scoop power slam from Paul Roma. I mean, that was essentially their finish, the big scoop power slam. Um, it, it, the timing just seemed a little off. I just more time overall i think they could have done a lot more uh, who would have thought that one of these guys would eventually become a member of the four horsemen and not the worst member and not the worst <laughs> member either right but, but powers is huge absolutely massive here and yeah it's like he just needs to be a second quicker yeah like it's so close. He got a great look and all, but he, it seems like he's a nine, and someone needs him at a ten before he can get that push. And and he's him, so close to it. And him deciding to pack on more muscle mass later in his career didn't help. Huh. Go, he went the wrong way. So do you think he like landed wrong for the leapfrog? Kind of shot it's, a little it's, like a. Just, I don't know if like he just a bolt of lightning just shot up his back, but it looked like just something blew out in his back when he landed. And he just stumbled yeah. right. Stumbled right down, like. Oh. I think it looks like you know. I like it. I think it looks like anything. It looks like what would happen if we try to leap from. Yep. Yeah, we had like a case of sciatica, just go nuts in our bag. We just <laughs> drop right down to our knees. <laughs> McCarthy with the leapfrog. There goes the gout acting up. <laughs> like it's just. Well, that's why like the tag shot seemed, by a cannon. The tag seems out of nowhere too. But if he dropped and was like, "I'm done," then yeah, you have to tag out. Then, especially you're close enough, anyways. But he almost immediately gets up for the whole four-man schmoz that happens. Like, I don't even think he even gets out of the ring fully. I think he gets almost right back in, and then they end up doing the whole, like, he was just beat down for most of the match. He does the hot tag to get out after that failed leapfrog attempt or just whatever happened where he just dropped awkwardly down after landing, and then... Boom, they're they're setting up for the finish. And the the heart attack was kind of a modified one. Brett basically only hit the one rope and then immediately did the clothesline. And he kind of looked pseudo ticked off 
after that, I don't know, maybe it was just a smug look because, you know, they defended their titles and there wasn't really much of a challenge on their behalf and they don't need Jimmy Hart at ringside or something. But um, Brett kind of did look annoyed at the end of the match. But Brett being the perfectionist he is that we now know him to be, if they had much more planned out and Jim Powers' little uh, leapfrog lightning shock there messed it up for him, that could be enough to tick off Brett. Right. All right. So we follow that up, guys with a very iconic interview. Uh, it's Mean Gene interviewing Hawk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Savage. And this is when my, the madness meets the mania, the mega powers, the handshake, the holding of the hand. This is fantastic. Yeah, it's just this is where the term mega powers was coined by Gene Okerlund here. Uh, the universe the Hulk Hogan's universe realizing that there's another universe out there with the madness and so on. There's another entity there and Savage saying that Elizabeth has opened his eyes and uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, man, what an angle this started out to be. And I mean, they didn't really start formally tagging hard until post WrestleMania three when they began feuding with DiBiase and, and uh, Andre. So we're planting seeds now for bigger things that are going to happen. I mean, this is long-term planning at, at its finest. Man, things that we wish we could see with current product today. Mm. I mean, a, a, a two-year really plan going on here, which is fantastic. The Mega Powers name gets officially coined here. And and they, again, with that handshake, with a dramatic pause in there, big enough for Lance Storm to cut a promo inside of. Right. Yeah, just fantastic, fantastic. And it's the handshake you have to do whenever you exchange wrestling figures. Oh, yeah. Without a, without a doubt. Me and Educator do it every time. Every time. <laughs> Maybe that's what makes it look like a drug deal for you. Probably. Too. Hey, can I see your ID? No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? All right. Educator, you know what time it is. Oh, baby. It's a double main event mega shot money shot mega <laughs> Masked Library Money Shot. What is the name of the segment now? God, not that. I'm calling it the, I'm calling it the Money Shot. going to get flagged. The oh. Money Shot main event with the Masked Library Kevin Hellions. Who puts the man in the main event? It's Kevin Elliott. Who is the king of that nerd content? It's Kevin Elliott. Who has a Patreon to pay the rent? It's Kevin Elliott. Who used to work in a giant tent? It's Kevin Elliott. We're talking the world premiere of the Pile Driver video. Kevin? Yes. Take it away. Alright. I haven't broken down to music video since the days of Headbangers Ball here, but I'll see what I can do. Okay, world premiere of Piledriver. In the world premiere theater segment that we all know from Saturday Night's Main Event. Alright, Honky Tonk Man, a random actress, I'm assuming playing Peggy Sue, and Jimmy Hart is in the back of a pink Cadillac playing guitar as they drive through a construction zone. We see uh, Billy Jack Haynes, Bam Bam Bigelow, superstar Billy Graham, Don... Uh, Magnificent Morocco. All of the stars that are not on Saturday night's main event are here. Hogan stops in front of the car with a pickaxe. 
to uh, stop their progress through the construction zone. Coco Beware starts to sing. Uh, Don Morocco kicks up some dust at the Cadillac and uh, makes them all cough on it, all the heels. Uh, the forearm for the construction site wants everyone to stop singing. Forearm gets in Billy Graham's face. Uh, Hulk gets back. Uh, for, Hold forearm. on. Jeez, foreman. Forearm? Or forearm? Like, as in, like, Terry Taylor? Or Tito Santana and the Flying Jalapeno? The forearm? Foreman. Sorry. Foreman. Who? And who was this foreman? I don't know. You don't know who that is? And you no, call yourself a wrestling fan. Was that producer Matt McCarthy? No, that was who gave Shiki Baby the title. That's Arnold Scullin. Didn't even realize. Jeepers. Come on. This is the equivalent. This is your Jim Powers leapfrog. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so uh, Arnold Scullin as the foreman. Was this going to be like the Golden Boy Casino or something here that they were building? Never know. May have been that night. <laughs> okay, so uh, the foreman gets in uh, Superstar Graham's face. Hogan gets back at the foreman with uh, concrete mix onto his legs and his pants. Uh, some girls start walking by, and Billy Graham gives them the okay, and Vince McMahon likes what he sees. Kofi <laughs> Wears shows a in highlights in in ring highlights here, cut into a different set. Coco Beware starts showing off a move that is not a pile driver. During the song Pile Driver. I don't know. Uh, another girl walks by and uh, the big old hump, Oliver Humperdinck, likes this one. Uh, Bamba Bigelow apparently does not, though, and hides his eyes. Uh, maybe he was a, a married man at the time. He's a, Christian, he's a Christian boy. He only has eyes for one. <laughs> uh, Coco Beware is singing on top of the construction site and starts knocking down the frame of the building that they are setting up. More girls start walking by, and more of the wrestlers give their approvals for it. Uh, the foreman takes a dirty magazine into the porta potty, and then the porta potty starts to be lifted up with a forklift, and and that's where the song fades to black. We're done with the music video. Sometimes love is like a slow dance. You can tiptoe around and don't make a sound. That's all I got. <laughs> well, that's when that's all you got. That's all you need. That's all you need, baby. That's all you need. <laughs> now, treats you. You weren't there, but I remember him singing this uh, at the wedding reception to his lovely bride. There. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, your wedding. No, Educator. educator's wedding. Educator's yeah, wedding. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't super tight yet, man. I'm sorry. We didn't. Sh- we didn't share a giant potato together. We didn't share no, a giant no, you probably, potato yet. you may have been under. Yeah, you did that night. Hey, oh, <laughs> um, this is just fantastic. Who would have thought Coco Beware with the singing chops? Would have thought it, man. Like it's actually a good song too. Yeah, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> it's good. I mean, it fits the era. We'll we'll just put it that. It's way. a good '80s song. I mean, it's no Bad Bunny, but what it's, is? But what is? Um, so we followed that up with just Vince and uh, Bobby the Brain sending us home for the night. So so what did you guys think of the show? I mean, this is a pretty iconic episode, and I mean, a lot happens on this. Super pleasantly surprised with the world title match with Hogan and Sika just bumping like crazy for Hogan, um, doing lots of stuff, making the most of his time, like I said. Of course, iconic stuff with Macho Man and the big uh, the guitar shot and Liz getting tossed to the canvas. 
kind of a meh match for the tag team titles uh, for that. But, you know, and uh, cool, cool spot with uh, Mr. Wonderful, you know, now feuding with the Heenan family. Getting ready for a program with Rick Rude that I don't believe really ever ha- truly happened. At least not I not I remember at all. Maybe just the house show loop, but nothing on a pay per view. I don't even think they tussled too much at Survivor Series. That'll be coming up here in the next month or so. Um, but yeah, you know, fun fun stuff, fun all around. Definitely enjoyable watch. I would like. I think it's an all time great episode of the show here and of us going through the series that. Macho Hogan angles, fantastic. Pile driver video is just enjoyable for what it is. Uh, like you're saying, Hulk and Seek is not bad. It's just the the middle part just drops though. Overall, um, but I don't know. Like, is there? Yeah, you know, we'll see as we go along. Is there a everything's great and amazing episode of Saturday Night's Men event? You know that all the matches hit. Well, my question to you guys is. Uh, are you guys missing the segments? The, the the first episodes they leaned heavy into theme shows. You know, we had uh, Halloween. We had like the the Mother's Day, um, the Fun in the Sun. I mean, they've really are just doing straight up wrestling angles now. There's there it seems to be very little of that. I mean, we get the pile driver video, but that's not really a segment based on those sorts of themes. So, so do you think we see that coming back? Because I'm, I'm just looking ahead. The next episode takes place the Saturday night or Sunday morning, whatever you want after Thanksgiving. So do you think it'll be a themed episode? I would like it to be, but I think right now they're not. I think we're away from the skits, unfortunately, and going for more of uh, stories to draw people in. I was really hoping for a second Uncle Elmer's wedding. Yeah. Kind of crazy, though, the way that the next Saturday Night's Band event plays off. They tape it in early November, but it's played literally, what, two nights after uh, Survivor Series. I mean, Survivor Series, the the first Survivor Series happened on Thanksgiving uh, night in 87. And then this ends up playing two nights later on Saturday Night's Band event. so. So if you have a little extra time, you know, I may do that. I may watch the survivor series before this just to kind of get some some context and then and watch that saturday night's main event so um kevin are you do you want to know what your money shot will be all over next week (laughs) i do now all right it's going to be all over hercules bam bam bigel bigelow uh it's hercules versus bam bam bigelow with oliver humperdink in bam bam's corner no uh no manager in hercules corner no, that's all it says. That might not be bad. It's got the it's got the potential. It has potential on paper. It doesn't, you know, could be something. Could be a good battle of the big men. Very looking forward to it. Very very excited. All right, that's going to do it for us from here from the house show educator. Anything you want to say to the people out there? As always, thank you so much for tuning in. A big thank you to my two co-hosts tonight for this uh, fantastic episode. Always fun to be able to sit down and reminisce about 80s and 90s retro wrestling nostalgia. As always, guys, please take a peek at the Retro Network and the various offerings that they have. There's so much there to do a deep dive into. You have more and more things that are continuously being added. Lots of things to grab your attention. Go check out the Retro Network. Yeah, and I just want to say you can always follow me on Twitter at Maddie Treats. You can follow the house show at TRN House Show. I'm sorry, I'm stealing your stuff, Kevin. 
you know, I apologize. I apologize. Um, I'm looking forward in the future. We're going to have the, the boys are getting together our one year anniversary. We're going to be going to do a little retro hunting, eating all you can eat sushi, eating potatoes and passing out watching wrestling. It's going to be glorious as Bobby Roode would say. All right, Mr. Kevin Hellions, why don't you take us on? All right. Thank you guys for another great show here. Thank you to Retro Network for hosting us. Thank you to WWE Network for now for the content. Uh, thank you to Richard Reader and Jason Gross for our logo. You can follow us across the internet at TRN House Show. You can follow Matt online at Maddie Treats. You can follow me online at Mass Library. MassLibrary.com is the home blog. And make sure to check out the show notes for merchandise, Patreon, and any other cool stuff that we do at the time. And, um, guys, I mean, geez, we've been talking about the potatoes and the sushi and everything. I'm getting kind of hungry. So I'm going to let you go because uh, there's a live chicken in the kitchen. I'm going to go eat. Sometimes love is like a slow dance. You can tiptoe around and don't make a sound. I can't. I can't use any of that. You totally overmodulated. Oh no! You want me to do that again? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Not so hard. Not so hard. All right. Yeah. All right. I gotta get in. I gotta get into it though. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.